Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and joining me today, as always, are my sidekicks. First, the Arizona State Fair record holder for most corn dogs eaten in a single day, Michael Benjamin. <laughs> what up, what up, but what? <laughs> you don't remember that? Uh, it was a long, long time ago. How many corn dogs did he eat? A lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. And of course, also we have Kyler Murray's dog walker, VSP Tallman. How you doing, bro? Good guys, what's going on? Happy to be back. Walking dogs. You walking his dog? Is How it, do you know he has a dog? It, he does have a dog, right? It's a. Oh, I should have had his name. It's right. a Shih Tzu. It's not I a Shih Tzu. It's no like a bulldog idea. or something like that. <laughs> he doesn't have a girlfriend, so he brought him to like his contract signing. You remember that? <laughs> did, did he, I missed that. Yeah. It's, oh man. I don't remember what his dog's name is. Are they the same height? Uh, pretty close. Pretty close. But we're here. We're recording our May episode of the Heat Check podcast. I'm glad to be back here in the Valley Sports Plug studios, home of Valley Sports Plug. And we got a full slate for you today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about all four Valley Sports teams. And I know you're asking me, Chris, does that mean you're going to be talking about the Arizona Coyotes? And the, the truth is, yes, we're going to lead with the Arizona Coyotes because there is a lot of news, especially and mostly relating to the arena deal that was killed with the vote that went down in Tempe just about a week ago. Of course, we got to talk about the Suns getting bounced from the playoffs, the Diamondbacks season ongoing and uh, some news there, and then we'll finish it out updating you on all the disasters that are the Arizona Cardinals. But first, fellas, Michael Benjamin, how are you doing, and is there anything you want to say to the people before we dive in today? Yes, sir. We're in the dog days of summer already. I mean, if you look at the calendar, it probably doesn't say it, but we're already in the hundreds in Arizona. It's hot. It's that time of year. Some people would say that the sports time frame is cooling off, but we already know that it really isn't. The suns have been bounced, but the Diamondbacks are going strong, you know, about Two and a half months into the season right now, we're wondering what's going to happen with the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm really excited to get into this conversation about the Coyotes and the unfortunate vote in Tempe. But we had a busy a busy couple of past weeks with the Suns and doing those recaps. So if you guys haven't taken a listen, go ahead and go back to our YouTube page. Check that out. We're going to be hitting you with bi-weekly Diamondbacks recaps. We also just did Pass the Outlet, where we dove a little bit into the conference finals the finish for the suns the coaching search and all that good stuff so things are going man things are going and we're just going to keep it rolling man we got a lot of content like mike said some of these sports teams are winding down i think the d-backs are the only team left still playing games right now but plenty to talk about tallman uh is there anything that you would like to say yeah, uh, let's go off of what Mike said with the heat. You know what that means? It means it's golf season, baby. Uh, $100 yeah. rounds, a thing of the past, okay? We're going to go out there, sweat our ass off, 115-degree deg weather, drink some beers. It's going to be fun. Um, also, PGA Championships going on right now. Let's give a shout-out to a live golfer. Brooks Kepka has the lead after three going into Sunday so oh man yeah right and Kyler Murray's dog's name is Swoosh by the way Swish okay Swoosh 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 oh, okay and Shoot. I think it's a bulldog I talk out that part right at yeah. least yeah so and you've been walking him <laughs> he's been walking me man. 
Yeah. We've, we've awesome. had some quality time together. That's great, man. That's yeah. great. So let's go ahead and uh, just dive into this since we got a nice, healthy slate here. Like we mentioned there at the top, the Coyotes Arena Deal and Entertainment District proposal for Tempe, it was voted down. About 56 to 57 percent of voters voted no on the three propositions that would have started the process in building a $2.1 billion entertainment district just west of uh, what was it, Tempe Town Lake, and uh, kind of a bummer, I think, for a lot of people, and I kind of want to deep dive into why we think, you know, that happened, some of the reasons behind it, and kind of what's next for the Coyotes in potentially staying in Arizona. So, Tallman, what's what's your initial reaction to that proposal getting shot down? First thing I thought, I mean, well, first it was extremely it was a sad day for Arizona sports, and I feel for anyone that's you know a diehard Coyotes fan. My first thought was, "Wow, we're we're about to be a three sport town." I I mean I don't know how much more you can put up uh, put up with if you're the Coyotes. It's like, I mean obviously, it's not working out. You know you get booted out of uh, Glendale Arena, you get shot down on this when. It, they wanted to build a, an awesome addition to Tempe on a landfill. Come on, it's an area full of trash. I mean, I, I don't understand it. Um, it's I, I don't. I mean, I know that's might be a little dramatic saying we might be looking at being a three sport town, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if it's starting to get to the point where they might be seeing the writing on the wall, where maybe this isn't home. That would be so disappointing. And I'm with you. Like, that thought definitely crossed my mind, especially right after the news broke that that deal was shot down. You saw a lot of cities and different advocates for other cities kind of trying to coerce the NHL and the Coyotes to move there. I mean, you saw the governor of Connecticut saying that he would love the Coyotes to move to Hartford. Uh, Patrick Mahomes tweeted that KC Coyotes has a nice ring to it. Uh, you're also hearing rumors of Houston and, and I think some other cities sprinkled in there. Atlanta. Atlanta. There you go. Mike, what would you think if the Coyotes were to leave Arizona? That'd be kind of a disservice to the Valley, right? At this point, for their vested interest in being here for, you know, almost three decades, you know, 2026 would mark 30 years for the Coyotes being here in Arizona. That's a tough pill to swallow, unfortunately. I think the true unfortunate matter, though, is that this team has been very unsuccessful for a long time. I mean, the last time that they made the playoffs technically was 2020. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche in five games. But previous before then, they made the Western Conference Finals in 2012. So, you know, you're starting to talk about long stretches of ineptability and just stinking. <laughs> like, there's no other better Can't term it. To, yeah. to really state about this team uh it would suck man i mean the the valley and arizona as a whole is a big enough metropolitan area to house four major sports and i, I gotta echo some of tallman's sentiments i think unfortunately this might be one of the last nails in the coffin i know that you know the coyotes have come out and they they want to stay like Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner who started in 1993, this was kind of his baby bringing Arizona in, you know, within his first couple of years. And it just has not been successful. You know, we saw their time frame at 
America West Arena was kind of short lived. They get kicked out. They literally get evicted from Glendale. <laughs> like, and now we're playing in a five thousand seat arena with Mullet Arena, which is super cool. It's it's something that not a lot of people have, but there's no sustainability in that. And with these plans getting stricken down, you're adding multiple years to try and figure out where this team is really going to have a home. And is the NHL willing to bite that and wait out more years trying to figure this out when there's other options on the table at this point? And I think that's my biggest concern is how long is the NHL going to allow them to play in a 5,000-seat arena? It has been a pretty neat experiment, and I've heard it's a very intimate venue. I haven't had the pleasure of getting to go down and see a game at Mullet Arena, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, that being said, the tickets are pretty pricey. <laughs> yeah, you can't touch one for under 100 Right. In in most cases, especially if you want to see a team that's halfway decent. And, and you're right, Mike, there are a lot of questions about hockey in the desert and the Coyotes having been here for almost 30 years now and not really seeing much success. I know we've said in the past and the running joke is that the Coyotes are kind of the retirement destination for a lot of older players because they can play a lot of golf, they can take it easy, and there's not really any pressure to win because we aren't one of those notable hockey towns I mean again hockey in the desert it just doesn't sound right with that being said though I think for all four teams that are still left in the chase for the Stanley Cup are all in the south or southeast which I mean when I think of Florida I don't think of hockey Um, so also and then if you're talking about moving to Houston that's still a desert I believe for all intents and purposes that aside though I want to dive into a little bit maybe high level of why we think this deal might have been voted down. I mean, like we said, $2.1 billion entertainment district, 1.9 of that was private funding. So just a little bit on the taxpayers, from what I understand. And I saw personally, I got a couple text messages campaigning against the building. They were asking me to vote no. Of course, I'm not a Tempe resident, full disclosure. So I wasn't able to vote in that. And I don't Neither of you live in Tempe either, so we we didn't have any say in this. But Tallman, have you heard, or do you can you speculate on why you think this vote failed? Well, there's some rumblings going out about how the distribution of some of the information around exactly what they're planning uh, it was it was it was poor. Like they did a poor job of uh, distributing the facts of you know what was going into it. Um, I think that was. A big part of it because it got shot down like bad it didn't even have a chance it wasn't even close right um so you had a lot of i guess and this is speculation by no means do i have any you know we don't have any knowledge of of this statement i'm about to make where it seems like there's a lot of informed voters who were partaking in this uh in this vote so that was the one thing where that's kind of like well okay i mean wasn't the, the the Tempe mayor was all about it? Yeah, right. He's like, yeah. I said he. I don't know if it's a he or she. I think it's a he. Okay. Either way, that was I'm sexist. pretty sure it's still Corey Woods. Is so it yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. All right. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. Um, uh, the other catch was uh, the whole taxpayer money. I mean, you already said the figures there, dude. I mean, we're talking about two hundred million dollars, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. Two to three. Yeah, and then hundred million. And you're talking about for a whole city. I mean, that's not much. Right, mm-hmm. they're not asking for a billion. They're not even asking for five hundred million. Right, it was private. It was going to be majority of it was going to be privately funded. 
And so a lot of people were coming out saying, well, I'd like to see that money you know, used elsewhere. Okay, well, where? Where do you want to see it done? Or it came to, because they're going to build it on a landfill, oh, I'd like to see that space utilized for something else. What else are they going to do? Apparently, according to the city of Phoenix, they can't build apartments there. Oh, another one was, oh, we don't, we're not happy with uh, the increase of traffic it might bring to that That's part That's a big one I heard is the traffic right? aspect. Yeah, but then, okay, well, okay, it doesn't matter what you build there. Right. And then, Have you been in Tempe? The traffic's yeah, already bad. Exactly. And then talking about the valley as a whole, what is it? We get like, is it, I don't know the number. Is it 250 new residents every day or something? Oh, something like that. That yeah. might be high. Between us, Texas and Florida, Arizona is like the yeah, it's, biggest it's gro- yeah. I mean, you landing guys, destination. If you ever have to drive during rush hour, it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter where you are. And then you're thinking that this arena going in there in Tempe is going to make the traffic, you know, any worse than it already is. It's already terrible. So that was some of the things that I heard. I think the most uh, the most jarring one is uh, the lack of information getting out to these people. Where I mean, it's it's a win win for everybody, you know. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I mean, aside from individuals on like Twitter and Facebook who were in favor of it and, and voicing their support, I didn't see a lot of like you said like information going out to explain why it would be a good thing. And uh, of course, none of us are tax es- experts or economists, but a lot of the opposition I was seeing to it was saying that the numbers didn't add up and that it wouldn't be a net benefit for the city of Tempe. But I kind of find that hard to believe. Like we, I don't want to keep throwing out the figures, but over the course of time, I, I, I find it hard to imagine that it wouldn't be a good way to generate tax revenue and not just the arena, but the whole entertainment district as a whole. You're getting more people from outside of the city coming in to spend their money. That's just going to go back into the city and be able to go to those projects they wanted to see that two, three hundred million go to. I mean, Mike, would you agree with that? hundred percent. I mean, you're talking about the project as a whole. You're bringing in a 16,000 seat arena. You're adding hotels, they said about two of them, retail shops, restaurants, and to go back to what Tallman said, there were going to be residential units, but only about 2,000 more. So if we're having 250 people move to Arizona a day, that's basically, I mean, quick math here, uh, that's gone within six days, right? Yeah, a week, basically. So it's really not going to make a difference. And I know that there was still... The problems, I guess, that they were talking about from the airport and air traffic control. Is that correct in regards to that? That sounds right. And and what I didn't understand, and I could be wrong here, but I think they were, it wasn't even so much to do with like the planes having like interference from that. They were concerned about the noise. And it's like, if you're, if you're someone moving into an apartment by the airport, I think you know what you're signing up for. You got to know what you're signing up for. And you got to understand what Tempe is. Tempe is a college city. Right. Like, it is a college city. It's primarily going to be, you know, 18 to 24, 25-year-old kids who would absolutely enjoy a new entertainment district. And it will continue to bring high-profile entertainment acts through Arizona. You'll have options that, you know, of course, people can go to Glendale and have their huge concerts. They can go to downtown Phoenix. But then smaller but still larger acts can come through at that new place in Tempe. You continue to have, you know, tourism attractions. You'll continue to get Final Fours, Super Bowls, anything you can think of, all-star games, all that kind of stuff will come with it. And unfortunately, like you guys said, I think the biggest thing 
that made this entire proposition fall on its fall on its face at the end of the day was the true misinformation and the lack of the proper push forward from the people that really needed to get this over the finish line and it's a tough pill to swallow once again i might be adding that one to my list of uh <laughs> my list <laughs> the mikeisms the mikeisms <laughs> but man you know one thing that it still seems like president and ceo javier gutierrez as well as gary bettman they want to try and figure out a way to keep arizona and hockey here in the valley but where are you gonna go i know Tomlin was throwing out fiesta mall i mean how does that i didn't say that yet how does that work out but <laughs> man i like oh this is this is just really really a tough one guys at the end of the day that's all i can really say about it yeah and then just going back to what we were saying on the at the onset is i am more pessimistic now that the Coyotes will be able to stay here. I know, as you're saying there, Mike, the news came out earlier this week that they're exploring the possibility of going to Mesa and the Fiesta Mall site, but I feel like they'll run into a lot of the same obstacles, Um, and I don't know if it's just the arena at the Fiesta Mall site or if they would still do the full entertainment district or if the investors with the $2.1 billion would still be on board for that plan, but it's going to be more hurdles to overcome and I just I like I said I am pessimistic for it they'll be at Mullet Arena for the next two seasons regardless so they still have a little bit of time to try and figure it out but I think this just increases the sense of urgency for them to to do that and do something and I am afraid that if if this all fails if they're not able to do it at that site or at on the reservation somewhere by one of these casinos then they might be on their way out of town and I just think that would be a huge disservice to the Arizona Coyotes fans and just Arizona as a whole losing a sports team and then we'll like Tallman said we'll become a three sport town but we're gonna we're gonna continue to follow this story if I'm sure we'll get some updates here over the next few weeks and months and be talking about that on our live streams over on YouTube so make sure you tune in so you can stay up to date that's Valley Sports Plug on YouTube of course but fellas let's move on as we must and talk about the Phoenix Suns losing to the Denver Nuggets in six games and getting bounced in a very embarrassing fashion for the second year in a row to an Eastern European white man. Um, (laughs) You know, if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Tallman, I want to pass it over to you first because I think you lost some bets during this series, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, what's new? (laughs) I'm all... (laughs) I stay losing bets, man. What are you talking about? Uh, I mean, overall, though, I mean, God, the the feeling of going back to Denver for game five, you know, tied up 2-2, you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was feeling super high on it after those uh, two straight wins in Phoenix. And then, shit, dude, even that game, uh, that, that last game, it was... You know what? We were down big in the in the first half, but then we brought it within a couple at halftime. You know, we had a big run there in the second quarter, and I thought, you know, damn, you know, you know, we got this. You know, let's, we're going to pull this together. They're going to bring that energy into the second half, and then, man, what was the run they went on uh, to start the second half? The Nuggets, I think there it was like twenty to something crazy. Was we that just, the twenty zero run? Yeah, we just got absolutely just ran off the court. Um, I, I mean. 
we had some feelings. I had some feelings. I'm not going to speak for you guys. <laughs> Excuse me, right? Um, I had some feelings that this team just wasn't ready. I don't think it was built uh, to really the depth, right? The bench, That's right? the biggest thing, yeah. Um, so it's it, it was disappointing to see um, Kevin Durant, though, man. I mean, I, I don't know when's the right time to really sit back and get a good view of how that trade actually worked out for the Suns, and I'm not saying, I, but I'm still on the the uh, the KD train, that's for sure. Uh, but man, he just he couldn't make a shot. It seemed like, you know, when it when it yeah. mattered most, like the guy couldn't couldn't hit a shot. Um, <sighs> I'm gonna use the disappointed word again, uh, but I think I know you guys talked about this a bunch on a, the past outlet, but I think. The Monty firing was correct. Um, one of the big things was he's going to sit up there after uh, two years in a row after really embarrassing elimination games from the playoffs and say that his guys weren't ready to play. He wasn't. He didn't have his guys ready to play. Okay, well then maybe he's the problem. Um, so a, a change is needed there for sure. Um, I, I didn't listen to the past outlet recently, so I don't know if that was your guys' take Boo. on that. I apologize. Uh, but I thought that was good, and they didn't waste any time. I think he uh, he got booted out, I think, what, two days after uh, we were eliminated. Uh, but, hey, we got Booker under contract, KD under contract. I know we're going to talk about what this roster is going to look like, that we think it's going to look like, or how it should look going forward. But, I mean, we got our two main pieces, so we are not in we're in – we're in a good spot. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's it needs to be all doom and gloom. And uh, Mike, I do want to ask you about this a little bit too, and, and not rehash too much of what we talked about on past the outlet, but just to touch on it briefly. I mean, I think we were both in agreement that the Monty firing was probably the right move. Uh, we wish him well. I mean, no ill will towards Monty. It just doesn't seem like he is the right coach for this team, and and a lot of different things went into that that we kind of talked about. But overall, I mean, like. Like Tomlin's saying, he's still optimistic. Like, what's your level of optimism right now going into this offseason? Oh, yeah, I'm 100% optimistic that this team is going to find a way and figure out the right pieces to bring in here. Uh, a big thing about that is going to be what kind of head coach you bring in. Is it going to be somebody who has tenure, or is it going to be a brand new guy that, you know, maybe just hands over the reins to your two superstars and works from there i i can't tell you which one is the best but i'm definitely leaning towards somebody who has tenure and has worked with superstars and multiple superstars at that point you know one of the big guys that a lot of people have already been talking about is Ty Lu. that's going to be a really tough task to get done if we can at all because i know the clippers are already looking to re-sign him they had meetings this past week and at this point you know, with the Kevin Durant trade, we just don't have that much capital in order to make that go down, which would have to be a trade for a coach like that. But I did want to piggyback off what Tallman said in regards to Kevin Durant. It's going to be some time, and I think we have to get through this entire next year with a playoff run, including who we see come in to really start to flesh out our true thoughts about this trade, right? Because it can go the same way with Mikhail Bridges. What kind of pieces do they build around him in Brooklyn? Because I think they're going to make him a centerpiece. And the beautiful thing about the Phoenix Suns is you have a top 15 all-time player in Kevin Durant matching with 
you know, possibly a top five guy in Devin Booker in today's NBA. I mean, his all-star, not his all-star performance, his playoff performance this year was truly incredible. Unfortunately, he did fall flat in that game six, and that has happened a couple of times in elimination games, but he's still young. We're going to still give him some time, and his greatness within the playoffs is outweighing that at this point. But I'm with you, Tallman. It was tough to see Kevin Durant struggle the way that he did from the field. He did understand that at some points when it wasn't going, he started to attack more. So he's getting to the free throw line and still contributing from a points aspect. But I don't think you're going to be able to count out Kevin Durant in that way with his struggles. I think a big a, a big part of that was due to his just general health. You know, he comes to this team, plays three games, messes up his ankle. And that that was a killer, man. I still think that was the true momentum shift for this team. Even though when he did come back within those eight games, they won all of them, right? It's still just not enough time to get true cohesiveness with this unit going into the playoffs and eventually having to match up with the number one overall seed in the Denver Nuggets who looks like they're going to have pretty much their way with this Los Angeles Lakers team at the end of the day. So... Got to give it some more time. I know that's the easy cop-out to say, but there just is not enough basketball that's been played to truly make a case or a decision on the trade that's happened for the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, they have handcuffed themselves a little bit with the amount of draft capital that they've traded away, but time will tell. Yeah, and time heals all wounds. I'm glad we're recording this now about a week and a half, two weeks removed from that painful elimination because I think this conversation could have been a lot more um, passionate, uh, maybe uh, maybe just uh, a bit of frustration being vocalized. But uh, Tom, and I'm sorry, I'm going to pass one more question to Mike and then have you piggyback off of it. But I want to read you guys a list here of players and then ask a follow-up question. So we got Tory Craig, Bismack Biombo, TJ Warren, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi, Jock Landale, Terrence Ross, and Dwayne Washington Jr. Those are the list of guys that are not under contract for next season. Are there any of those names or how many of those names do you want would you want to see back on this roster next season? Well, first and foremost, I will start Dwayne Washington Jr. is not on this team anymore, so I don't <laughs> think we want him back. <laughs> okay, good point. Good point. Um I mean you gotta look at that list as well. Restricted free agents we have is Baisley, Saban Lee, and Landell. Saban Lee, it's a great Arizona story. He's a uh, Corona del Sol kid. Shout we out. love him. I just don't know if he's going to be a guy who can contribute. And we have to start talking about guys who contribute in the playoffs, folks. I know you have to build your roster for the regular season as well. You got to have some depth to go eleven man, twelve man deep within the in the regular season. Eighty two games is no joke, but I mean. Is if Dar- if Darius Baisley isn't going to be a part of a pl- playoff rotation, bring somebody else in. Right. You know, Bismack Biombo, he showed that he is just too undersized, and the Denver Nuggets are going to continue to be a top team in the West who you might compete with. If you're going to try and trot him out there at the center position, it's not going to work. So I, I, I don't think you need to bring him back either. Damian Lee, Terrence Ross, and TJ Warren are all guys I am truly on the fence about. I think I'd be okay to see if you could bring back a Terrence Ross because of his explosiveness on the offensive end. 
But Damian Lee and TJ Warren, they're just a little bit too limited, at, you know, on both ends of the floor, unfortunately. So I'd be okay with them going. I think you said Josh Okogie was on that list as well. Yep. I'd be okay as long as he's one of those pieces for the regular season. Like he can't be a guy that you are having in the starting lineup for a playoff rotation, unfortunately. I agree. And then the last guy, Jock Landell. I think we talked a little bit about it, maybe off podcast, Chris, but I'm 100% okay bringing back Jock Landell. He really gave himself some good graces by his energy that he brought within those last two games and in that Denver Nuggets series where he basically played himself in the rotation after game three. So if he's a backup, I'm okay with it. He showed that he's serviceable. Can he play in the playoffs? He he might be able to, but right. maybe 10 to 12 minute stints, right? He's not a guy that I'm going to need to absolutely play 20 minutes in the playoffs to really make a difference. He's going to be able to spell whoever we have at center <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And I know we're going to get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Jock has definitely got to be the backup center option and, and not a guy that gets big minutes either. I agree with what you said about Josh Akogi. Maybe move him further down the bench. Definitely don't have him in the starting lineup if you can avoid it. Obviously, injuries are going to happen and, and you got to adjust on the fly. I don't know if I want to see Torrey Craig back necessarily, especially for what the you know the type of money I think he'll be commanding. Uh, but Tom, and to shoot this over to you, I know you were a big uh, fan of the six foot eleven Australian Jock Landell, right? Are you? Would you be pretty stoked to see him coming back? Uh, who said I was a fan of him? Come on, come on, you gotta love you. Don't you like gotta Jock. Jock. Come on, mate. Um, yeah, so I would love to see him back, and in the exact capacity that you guys have been saying, you know, he's he better not be starting. <laughs> Um, but other people from the list, yeah, I'm going, uh, Landell, you got to bring Josh back. Um, and then you got to keep TJ just for, I mean, just the, the upside on it, man. I mean, you, you got to keep him, you got to run him through, uh, an off season and give him a regular season to try to figure out his, his stroke and his place on the team. Um, and then to Terrence Ross too, cause this team just needs shooters, man. You know, we need people that can score the bucket or score the bucket that's not a saying eh, close enough people that can score, score a bucket a bucket there you go um people that can you know take pressure off of the two superstars you know i mean we can't just rely on you know hero ball coming from devin booker and uh kevin durant so we need people that can score people that can hit open shots because i think that's where we lacked a lot during the, the playoffs was you know we're missing all these open shots because you know your two superstars are drawing so much attention but Man, we got to figure out a uh, figure out some with Aiden, some with Paul. Maybe we need a, a new point guard. We need a new center. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I know that's a that's a lot to to chew right there. Yeah, and that's a great you know topic to piggyback off of and roll into is we have Chris Paul under contract for the next two seasons, making thirty point eight million dollars in each season. Um, and also, I just have to mention, since I'm looking at it, we also, unfortunately, have Landry Shamit under contract for the next three years, making uh, 10, 
11 and then almost 12 million dollars in his final year of his contract if that's if that's a guy we could unload and get rid of I would not be sad to see him go but not to derail my point and what I want to talk about here which is Chris Paul's future of course but also DeAndre Ayton's future the firing of Monty Williams kind of tells me that they don't necessarily put as much blame on DeAndre Ayton as I think a lot of fans did it was very very disappointing to see those two guys miss game six of course Chris Paul had been out uh, I think all but the first game against Denver or game two is when he went out excuse me and I I'm on the fence because obviously I don't know the depth of their injuries so I hesitate to say what I'm about to say but when it comes to the playoffs and it comes to elimination games am I wrong in thinking that you have to have some toughness and maybe play through a little a little bit of being banged up and I know what was it Aiton had a rib contusion Chris Paul had a groin so it's that fine line of toughing it out versus being a detriment to your team I get that but it just really bummed me out seeing those guys on the bench and I had very little hope going into that game but I didn't expect to get blown out I going back to what you said, Tom, and I had some hope after Game Four when it was two-two and the series was tied up. Uh, and, but we needed to win Game Five. That is that is the fact of the matter. And we came out and uh, we're kind of competitive in the first half, and then not at all in the second half. And I think at that point we were all kind of looking at each other like, yeah, I think this is over. So. Mike, I'll ask you, I guess, and then get Tallman's opinion on it as well. Should we look to move DeAndre Ayton? There are rumors going around of a potential deal with Portland that would bring us, I think, the third pick in this upcoming draft. Yeah, I mean, I'll just be brutally honest with you guys. I think it's that time. And I I really want to know what your thoughts are about this as well. So, you know, make sure that you touch on DeAndre Ayton before we finish this Sun segment. But in the playoffs, he averaged 13.4 points, 9.7 rebounds. He made six field goals a game, averaged less than a block. Does that sound like number one pick material? No. Negative. It does not. I think the entire downfall of that Denver Nuggets playoff series was when he decided to step out of the bench and go to the end after people were trying to hold him accountable, a.k.a. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You're two superstars who are trying to be leaders for a guy to put him on his back and take him to where he needs to go because these are the next steps for DeAndre Ayton. And he showed his hand that he doesn't want to be a part of it. I will say I know that we heard some things about his rib contusion that he was struggling to breathe and that kind of stuff. So that's a big question mark. He was able to finish game five, so he did tough it out. But going back to your point, Chris, as well, where it's like, it's playoff times. you got to fight through this. I think it might be a little bit different when you're 38 years old and the yeah. ability to tough out things, Good especially point. with the groin. And I can speak from firsthand experience. I'm not 38 years old just yet, but I did pull my groin on the exact same day that Chris Paul did playing basketball on Sunday morning. And uh, it took me about a week and a half to come back before I was playing again. You just... it. You can't get a step, depending on what side it is. If you try to put any pressure and and force to move or drive or anything, you can't do it, man, even with a, with a pull. So, unfortunately, Chris Paul has started to get this stigma, though, of a guy who can't make it through playoffs. And, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing, expecting different results over and over again, right? So, that's just what we know. And... Going back to DeAndre Ayton at this point, I think we've already heard some rumors as well. 
we know kind of what happened with him and Monty Williams the previous season, but now it's sounding like reports from both sides of the camps is they're kind of done with each other. The relationship has soured. They're ready to move on, and everybody just kind of needs to get a breath of fresh air. And if you were to tell me, and our, our guy Flex from Jersey, <laughs> who's the one who kind of broke the news about the possible rumors about this trade for the th- uh, number three overall pick with the Portland Trailblazers, DeAndre Ayton, and obviously it would probably have to be you know, some other pieces that go to the Portland Trailblazers. For, for you to tell me that we might be able to trade Ayton for a top three pick, I you'd, I'd be kidding myself at this point, especially with the way that he finished these past couple of seasons, unfortunately. So, man, I'd love to get into this third pick here and the possibilities that could be coming to the Suns, but I definitely want to pass it back over to you guys for kind of your last thoughts on DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I think I'm perfectly comfortable with moving on for him. I just worry about who we would be able to find to fill that starting center position. But honestly, as we've discussed on and off the podcast, we really only need a center who can get rebounds and play defense. We don't need a center to score 20 plus points a night when you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant being able to shoulder the most of that burden. So I'm I am perfectly fine, especially like you say there, Mike, if we can get a third round pick for him and get a young guy in here to get I mean, who better to mentor a young guy than Kevin Durant and Devin Booker at at this point in their careers, respectively? And even if we do end up keeping Chris Paul, that's another guy who's a great locker room presence. He's like a coach on the floor. It's looking like we might be stuck with Chris Paul. I was just seeing a rumor of maybe San Antonio having a little bit of interest, pairing him up with Wembenyama. And honestly, I'm, I'm getting off track here, but I would honestly be okay if we can get rid of Chris Paul's contract, because by the end of his contract, he's going to be 40 years old. And I don't think his injury issues are going to subside in the next two years as he just gets older. And it's no fault of his own. I mean, he's had a long career where he's played a lot of minutes and that wear and tear can catch up to you. And and I know he's got to be like, he's a hooper. He's frustrated that he couldn't be out there. But what you're saying about the groin injury, it sounds like he, he couldn't go. And, and like I was saying, he would have been a detriment to his team. So, Tomlin, uh, two out of three so far want to see Aiton go. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's time. Um, I I mean, like you guys were saying, it's it's the his teammates trying to get the best out of him. It's just not there. He just doesn't have the fight. It seems like, I don't know, it seems like he almost seems like he doesn't want to be here in a sense. I know there was kind of that rift with uh, him and Monty where Monty's gone, right? Um and by no by no means are we saying he's a bad basketball player. The, that that dude can play ball, right? We know that. But it's just where's where's the passion? Where's the fight? Where's the toughness? You know, it's just it's uh, it's almost like he's he doesn't have any of those things, right? Um, but I think the best thing for his career will probably be a change of scenery, right? Um, at the same time, uh, you guys like you said, Chris. I mean, we we don't need a max center. We don't need to pay our center 30, 33, $34 million a year. You know, a, a team that's still playing right now in the playoffs, the Celtics, they have a Al Horford and a, is it Robert Williams? I mean, I think they start both of them, but they're both centers, right? And those guys make, collectively make less than Aiton makes a year. And those are, that's probably 
something that the Suns need to look at. You know, we just need that that tandem center role where we don't need that guy that can score, you know, 20, 25 a game, right? We need someone to play defense, block shots, and get boards. Um, that's about it. But then another thing that comes back to it, you know, Aiton is a good player, right? Well, it, what, what if it turns out to be a Mikel Bridges experiment? What if he goes off and, and he averages 25 and 15 a game? What if he turns out to be an all-star and be great? Was it, we're going to use a, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury term, was he, was he the player development? Was, was the coaching staff not getting the best? Were they, were they not using him right? You know, and then Aiden, I think, suffered the most from losing Chris Paul because Chris Paul got him involved. Aiden's not a guy that gets involved in the game himself. The game has to come to him. Someone has to put the ball in his hand for him to score. So he heard a lot from that, but, you know, what if he goes off and and becomes a good player? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, that would just be Arizona sports yeah. at his yes, finest, it would. Right? At yeah. the end of the day. I mean, I feel like we've seen that with plenty of guys from the Arizona Cardinals specifically who have gone on to have, Reddit. you know, just Pro Bowl caliber yeah. seasons and incredible careers after that. But it's crazy how just a year can really change a lot of things, right? You know, I will put my hand up right over here. You know, last season when the contract was coming up, I was definitely one of those guys who said that you have to sign DeAndre Ayton to that max. And unfortunately, the Suns did kind of handcuff themselves because they let him go out to unrestricted free agency. So they had, but they had to match. You cannot let a number one overall pick walk for nothing. And you bring him back and you see if it can work. And I'll just be honest with you, Tallman. I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Ayton went to another team and averaged. 23 and 12 a night and just had career numbers but you know what else wouldn't surprise me if whatever team he joins wins 25 games ends up in the lottery and is one of the worst teams in the NBA because unfortunately for DeAndre Ayton we have the tape and we have the knowledge that he is a guy who wants it for himself and he doesn't want to fit within a team mold. I mean, when you bring in Kevin Durant, what do you expect? It's the Devin Booker and Kevin Durant show. You have to find a way to fit within this team if you want to be successful. And yeah, he had his riff with Monty Williams, but he's already having these other guys trying to hold him accountable and he's stepping away and not putting his hand up and saying, I'm ready to accept responsibility. I, I got you. I'm not saying that they should bring him back and try over again with the new staff or new coaching staff. I'm not saying that. I think, uh, like I said, I, I'm going to stick to, I think, a change of scenery would be best for both uh, both parties involved. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I, and I echo what Mike's saying is like, we have the tape on DeAndre and we know that he ball watches when he should be rebounding. We know he would prefer to shoot a floater rather than take it to the rim. And I don't think that's going to change on a different team because that's something that isn't a game plan. That's nothing a coach can do. That is the player on the court not being awake enough to make those decisions. And Monty can tell him what to do all he wants and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant can try and tell him and coach him up but if he's not hearing it because he's frustrated and too immature to receive feedback it's what what can we do what more can we do yeah we're not even at the point of looking at stats anymore we know this guy can produce if he's given the opportunity 
unfortunately, we did start to see him get away from his game that he truly had within his limited touches that he had. You know, there were plenty of times where we would see DeAndre Ayton, as soon as he gets the ball, it's one dribble, turn around, pull up, or it's one dribble, try and hook shot. Like, he got away from any of his game that he had at the University of Arizona in that one True. year. Obviously, you're talking about college competition. It's different. I get that. But he has gotten better within his game. And now all we're seeing is the riffs on the sideline, the lack of motor, the just general laziness, unfortunately, that continues to show itself way more than the productivity that we were getting from DeAndre Ayton at the end of the day. I mean, fellas... You can't be having the dude get benched for Jock Landell in game three of a playoff series where it is of the utmost importance to win that game to have any semblance of a chance to try and win a series. I, I know you have off nights, but there should never have been an option that DeAndre Ayton should not be the guy on the floor in the last six minutes of a game ever. Especially when you're getting paid thirty-five plus fucking million dollars a year, so that's the kicker. This it's yep. you know I will die on my hill. I was the one. I was one of those DeAndre Ayton stands who was out here <laughs> just really hoping and praying that this kid could kick it into the next level. And for his sake and for the future of his NBA career, I hope he does. But at this point, it's time to move on. Yeah, and I think I don't I want to I want to wrap this up here, but I think just to free up that money, that 30 million dollars a year that we're paying DeAndre Ayton, if we can get like I said, a center that can rebound and play defense for 10 million, maybe even 15 million, that still clears up a lot of opportunity for us to be able to fill out that bench a little more with guys that we can trust to come in and knock down shots. But alas, we have to move on. I could sit here and talk about DeAndre and, and the Phoenix Suns all night and until the cows come home and the next season starts. But there will be plenty of time for that on down the line. So let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here, which is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are having just an incredible season here into May. Right now they're in second place in the NL West, 26-20 and 20 on the season, just two and a half games back from the Dodgers. And if the playoffs started today, they would be in the wild card game. So exceeding expectations for sure. I remember talking about, let's just hope they go 500. And right now they're they're living up to that. I'm very, very excited about this young roster. I just really fucking hope we get some pitching help here by the trade deadline. I mean, I don't know about you, Tallman, but whether it's this revolving door in the rotation, not really having a set group of guys that are going every what is it would be every fifth day of course Zach Gallon's been a stud but just threw a turd the other day only pitched didn't even finish four innings hit a bird killed a bird maybe that hopefully that's not a bad omen <laughs> killed a bird he did right what was it he wasn't even playing it wasn't no, even it was, in a game it was, it was he was just warming up he's just warming up on the side in Oakland or something like that yeah. and uh throws a a curveball of all pitches it was a curveball yeah and uh and decapitates a bird, but we're not here to talk about uh, bird deaths or uh, anything like that. But yeah, in the month of May, uh, Diamondbacks are 10 of 7, so cooling down a little bit, but still uh, ex- exceeding that 500 clip that we were hoping for. 
Talman, I mean, here in May, obviously still a lot of baseball left to go. How optimistic are you that we'll be able to continue to ride this momentum into a potential playoff appearance? I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, I think the biggest question mark, which we knew it coming in, is going to be that it's going to be pitching in all all aspects of this team. Um, starting pitching, the bullpen. Well, we started off pretty good. Uh, we really, really need Zach Davies back because some of these younger guys uh, just really aren't figuring it out. Um, we saw the, the Dre Jameson experiment. Um, I love the fact that this team has such a short leash with all these guys, all these young kids. I mean, we talk about Alec Thomas and uh, Jake McCarty getting set down in AAA. Um, it's just showing you that, hey, if you're not performing, you're out. So Jameson came up, shit a brick, got sent down. Um, <laughs> Brandon fought. Thank God the kid finally figured it out. I think this was his third start. He sounds right. Four start? Four, Four start. start, okay. There you go. Um, he, he only had one slip up where he gave up a – and today we're talking about that game against – the second game against the Pirates out in uh, Pittsburgh um, where he gave up a, a triple, which was – should have probably been caught by the outfielder. It was a tough play, tough play. Uh, but his bases loaded. Uh, I think it was Hayes on the on uh, the Pirates hit a triple to right center, um, and it's, it cleared the bases. Um, so those are the only runs he gave up, but we still ended up getting the W, right? Uh, one, four to three. Yep. Um, but with uh, Zach Allen, and you said, yeah, he, he laid an egg his, his last start. But, I mean, come on. It's, it's Major League Baseball, man. You know, people are going to have that that outing every once in a while when you're just not throwing your best stuff. Um, but he's solid. We know that Merrill Kelly has been outstanding for uh, what we need from him. Uh, if Fock can figure it out, man, he, that would just be incredible. Uh, we get Davies back, someone that's, that's proven someone that can throw the ball. Uh, that'd be awesome. And then you can just run around. Is it Ryan Nelson? Yeah. Ryan Nelson, Ryan Nelson. And then, Nelson. uh, is it Tom Henry? What was it? Yeah, Tommy Henry. Tommy yep. Henry, that's right. So those guys, as long as we don't have to rely on them every fifth day, I think it's more, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's a toss-up between Henry and uh, Nelson. But um, starting, but then you go back to the bullpen, it's just, man, it's like any given day, you know, one guy is just going to implode. Um, I mean, Chafin had it, a Castro guy had it. McGow, is it McGuff? Is it McGow? It's no. McGow. McGow, okay, McGuff. What the McGuff, fuck? Scruff McGuff. <laughs> Scruff McGuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so the the bullpen's going to be bad. I mean, Joe Mantiplies, where is he? We don't even know where he is. Um, so the big key to this, uh, going back to your question, sorry, then I'll go into the big key. Oh, um, Is Yeah, I'm extremely optimistic that we can – we can keep this momentum going and uh, maybe we're going to be playing baseball late, late in this year. Um, but it's going to be that trade deadline. It's man. I can't remember the last time the Diamondbacks were buyers at the deadline. And the, the, the big thing is we don't need uh, position players. We are, we're good. Our offense is kicking, running and, and doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, but they need to add, they need to add some, uh, some pitchers at that deadline. And I think it's really going to be bolstering up that bullpen. Um, and I think the, the, the starting rotation is going to come together. Once we get Davies back, uh, I think we can, we can get by, you know, having a, a struggle from, uh, Henry Tom or Henry Nelson and, and fought, you know, every four fifth game. But, um, I think it's great, man. This is, this has been a hell of a season and 
shit. Right now, after the sun's going out, the Cardinals just be continuing to be a dumpster fire. The Coyotes probably moving out of town. Like we need <laughs> this right now in Arizona sports. It's it's a good, very good positive energy that we have come from the Diamondbacks. I, I absolutely agree. I, it's good to have something to root for in the summer and to have the Diamondbacks be a competitive team again, giving us a reason to go out to Chase Field and catch a couple games. And of course, we're going to continue to follow the Diamondbacks. But the fact that they're able to win games and be competitive just is the icing on the cake. But it just it can't be understated how badly we need to improve this p- pitching staff. Just pissing stuff. <laughs> pissing stuff. <laughs> if we're going to be uh, competitive and be able to, like I said, we're right now could be a wild card if we continue to play as well as we are. And if maybe the Dodgers hit a few snags, they're not as good as I think everyone anticipated they would be. Uh, of course, I like I said, a lot of season for them to figure it out, for us to figure it out. But uh, you're absolutely right. What I was saying there is we have to increase our quality in the pitching staff and not only in the starting rotation, but in the bullpen. I mean, Mike, how comfortable would you be sacrificing one of our offensive prospects for a potential decent starting pitcher or bullpen guy that can come in for us? I think you'd have to say you'd be a hundred percent on it. And you could look specifically in that outfield. I mean, those guys specifically just like Alec Thomas, who just got sent down, you know, we have people in the, back seat that are going to be coming up sooner rather than later I know Andrew Jones was just drafted but like you said Tallman they're ready to get these guys in who can produce and they're going to have a short lease and I know that there's going to be some teams who might want to bite on some of those outfield you know prospects and that kind of stuff but yeah that's the 100% thing that we're still looking at is this pitching staff I mean finally Brandon Brandon Fott. How do I say it, Tallman? Tell it's, me. It's Fott. It's Fott. It's Fott? Okay. Not fat. I want to say fat. <laughs> Mr. Fat. But, you know, after struggling within his first two starts against Texas and Miami, he finally showed what we were hoping for in that uh, that pitching output on the 14th against the Giants. And today, uh, unfortunately, he's still searching for his first win. But starting to gain the right course and moving forward. I I love to see it. And like you said, Chris, Zach Gallen, you know, everybody put, everybody puts out a turd every once in a while, you know, they, they show their ass if you would say so, but Zach Gallen has been in the early, (laughs) in the early, early, you know, kind of scene in regards to the NL Cy Young race. He's got to be top three right now. And he's been an absolute ace for us. So I would, Totally be okay with, you know, making some moves to sure up this pitching rotation or this bullpen and make sure that this team continues to have some good momentum going on to the latter half of the season. I mean, if you were to tell me 50 games through this season that the Diamondbacks would have the third best record in the major leagues, I would have slapped you and said, stop lying to me. Like, (laughs) come on now. And now that the Dodgers lost today to the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been absolutely horrid, we're only two and a half games out of first place. And we were playing, you know, tug of war early to start in, uh, you know, in that first place position. I, I, you just can't, you can't say enough good things about the start for this young Diamondbacks team right now. A hundred percent. And it's been exciting to watch and I'm, I'm totally here for it. I think on top of making some moves to 
bolster this bullpen and the starting rotation. If we can get our guys healthy too, Tom, and you mentioned there a bit ago, Mantiply, right? Right now, it looks like he's starting to get some activity. He might be working his way back. He's starting to throw the ball again. Um, and then, But another guy, Carson Kelly, I don't know if there's a timetable for his return necessarily. Maybe in the late summer months, it looks like. But he's out with a fractured forearm, and they just recently moved him officially to the 60-day injured list, which does clear up a spot on the 40-man roster. So I think that's a smart move. I do like what the, the front office is doing. I like the way Tori Lovello has been managing these guys. I know he was a guy on the chopping block where, again, maybe it's maybe you could say he was being scapegoated, but he does seem like the right guy for this job. And the fact that he's been here for long enough, he knows this team inside and out. And it, it is quite a bit of a different team now than it was when he first came in. Obviously, guys are going to come and go. But I love the flexibility of this team to be able to part ways with those guys that have been a long running staple here. I mean, we saw David Peralta leave last season and now it's weird seeing him in a Dodgers uniform but it paves the way for these young guys to come up and make a name for themselves and get some opportunities so I I agree when I asked you that question Mike I totally think that we have to be comfortable sacrificing some of our prospects in order to get to where we need to be and where we really have to be because this is an exciting time and I would just hate to see them squander the opportunity or you know, wasted away. And and again, it, like I'm saying with the office, the front office and these guys being flexible and willing to part ways. I know we talked about it last month, but getting rid of Bumgarner was huge. I mean, with these moves, Tallman, how do you expect that the Diamondbacks will continue to play into the summer? And, and do you see the success so far being sustainable? Yeah. I mean, as a fan, of course, I think it's sustainable, right? <laughs> no, I... Uh, like we've just been, you know, uh, saying already, I mean, the bats are there. The, the offense is there. It's just, it's pitching, man. It's really all it is. It's really been our downfall for, you know, uh, the recent years here has just been that motherfucking pitching, right? I mean, Gallon has been an absolute blessing to us. And if we can just piece together the right rotation, man, I think we are going to be battling the Dodgers for that top spot in the division. Um, and then and then just seeing, again, it's the coaching staff. It's the front office. It's it's them showing, hey, we're, we want to win now. And we believe that's the biggest, that's the key word right there. They're believing that they can win now. And uh, having that short leash on uh, some of these younger players. Because, I mean, dude, we still have some of the top prospects in baseball that are down in our system. And then, you know, like we're saying, hey, can you give up some of that for uh, someone that can contribute now to this season in your pitching staff? Absolutely, man. Do it. Uh, I mean, yeah, we sent down we sent down some good guys. Alec Thomas is not someone to sleep on. Jake McCarthy's not someone to sleep on. Dre Jameson is not someone that is just going to go away and just, you know, like but those are good players. And then not even to mention uh, Drew Jones. His name's Drew, right? Yeah. yeah and then, uh, then they have that Jordan Lawler kid, the shortstop. I mean, you guys have we have some great players, just that we can actually trade off of and get, you know, someone that can help us make this run here. Um, it's sustainable. It absolutely is. Uh, again, I mean, how many games do we have left, man? Uh, I mean, we're barely over yeah, a quarter we, of the way through the season. A, so we a have lot. a lot of games, right? Um, 
and it's again it goes back to the coaching staff man i mean you're sitting there i was watching a game the other day and uh tory lavello man the fire that that guy has man um and he's been our he's been the manager for seven years and i yeah and i was surprised when i when i uh when i saw that i was like damn has it been that long um but he's going out there man he's protecting his young players um, he's out there, he's arguing calls, he's out there arguing balls and strikes, and we know what happens when you argue balls and strikes, you get you get ejected. Yep. Uh, but he's he's not afraid. I mean, I think uh, in the last couple seasons, him and some other guy, or some other manager are tied for the most ejections in MLB. Uh, so he's, I, I love the fire out of him. And you know he's a big, uh, he's a big player in this, hey, we're going to win now. If you're not producing, you're going away. Um, and that they started showing that with the the whole Madison Bumgarner thing, um, so I like the way this this team is going right now. It's it's great stuff, and it's very good for the city. Couldn't agree more. And of course, we will continue to follow the Diamondbacks and get you a recap of their season every two weeks, much like we did with the Phoenix Suns throughout their season. So make sure you're heading over to our YouTube page, another shameless plug, Valley Sports Plug, and uh, we'll always keep you updated with when those are going up by you following us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter is at AZ underscore VSP, also Instagram and TikTok. So make sure you're following us across all these platforms so you can stay up to date and uh yeah, a whole lot of baseball left. I did note here that the trade deadline isn't until August 1st. So I think those deals start becoming more pressing closer to that time frame. So we still got a couple, two, three months before I think uh, deals really start shaking out. Of course, we've seen a few deals coming here and there. We got a pitcher, I think Connor Pilkington was his name. We just bought him for a hundred grand from the, the Guardians. But before we get off this Diamondbacks topic, Mike, is there anything else you wanted to say about the D-backs? No, if you live in the Phoenix metro area, go out and buy yourself a summer pass. It's only $99. And you can go to what? Whichever game you want within Every those game. next three Every months? Every home game, yeah. Yeah, June, Man. July, and August. I don't think there's a better deal out there if you're a sports fan. And if you're if you're a Valley sports fan and a baseball fan, make sure you go out and support this team. I know I... I for sure I'm going to get that summer pass. Like even if you only make it out to a handful of games, I feel like it's worth the money. And yeah, support the boys, man. It's going to be a great season and for that deal to be going on right now while they're having the success is even better icing on the cake. So fellas, the last topic we have on the agenda and the last Valley Sports team we have to talk about is of course the Arizona Cardinals. We're not tanking. We are not tanking. Shots just let Jonathan Gannon lie to you Explosions. and I can't wait to see his post games when we get blown out by 30 and he'll say shit like oh our guys played really hard and I feel like we had a good game I just I just expect him to lie to us all season Keeps long very special it's honestly like he I maybe it's premature but he's making me miss Kingsbury a little bit already. you guys lost by Don't 21 lie to yourself. take a day off <laughs> damn joker maybe I just can't remember how bad it really was but I, I, I know uh, since the last time we did the Heat Check podcast here, w- the draft hadn't happened yet, and now it has. 
but we did a whole segment of that over on our YouTube page. So make sure you go check that out if you want our in-depth coverage and opinions on what the Cardinals did in their 2023 draft. Uh, some good picks, honestly, some good moves. Awesome for Wheelin and Dealin, um, really setting us up for next season because we are actually tanking, whether they want to admit it or not. And uh, might have a top, definitely will have a top five draft pick and could have the top draft pick and be in the sweepstakes for one Marvin Harrison Jr., which I think would be incredible. But guys, some things I want to talk about here uh, while we still got some time is the schedule came out. Of course, we already knew the opponents and who they would be playing, but now we know when they'll be playing and where they'll be playing those games. And uh, no primetime on the schedule. You got to love it, man. The first time that the NFL comes out and basically says, hey, we're going to try something new. You know, we always gave an opportunity to have every team have a primetime game even if it was just considered a Thursday night football game. And the first time in NFL history that it happens, the Cardinals are so bad that they don't get an opportunity to have a primetime game. You just can't make it up, folks. Are you surprised? No, of course I'm not surprised. I wouldn't surprised, put the Cardinals on primetime. No, everyone's out here saying we have the worst roster in football and they might not be wrong. You wouldn't have even put them in prime time in like week 12 when Kyler Murray finally comes back from his ACL injury. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any chance, and this is just a random question that just popped in my mind, do you think there's any chance that we're just doing so bad that they don't bring Kyler Murray back at all this season? They can't do that. No. He has to come back, man. Yeah, not with that investment. You, you, you can't have to sit get there. On the field. Yeah, you can't sit there. Well, yeah, the investment part, and then you also can't sit there and act as the leader of this team and watch all the other guys around you, all your teammates out there fighting and getting beat up every single week, and probably ended up losing a lot of games and just sitting on the sideline and not being a part of it. That's just and, not you. That's not how a leader works. Something though that I'm struggling to wrap my head around, and I, and. I, I say that I'm not a lot of things and because I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. But what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is we're starting to see all these videos of Kyler Murray working out real hard, doing squats, throwing passes, and it's May. So we still have June, July, August. We have three full months, and they don't play a game till September. And you're telling me he's not coming back until week 12? What would that put us in? December? How is that? Yeah, December. How is that even a reality to where like when the injury happened and we kind of were looking at the timetable, the normal timetable for this type of injury? They're like, yeah, he might be ready to go for week one, and now it's like dead. Like, nope, not till week twelve. Like, what? What is going on? That's what. I, that's why I'm like starting to get that question in my mind of like, will they not bring him back at all? Are they gonna maybe look to trade him? I mean, I I can't imagine a mid seed trade, a mid season trade of that caliber happening. But it is just a head scratcher to me, like how you can say that he's progressing so well on his rehab, but at the same time, he's not coming back till week 12. And and then for Jonathan Gannon to sit there and lie and tell us that we're not tanking, we're going to try and win games, games aren't won in the offseason. It's like, well, everything you're doing, again, we've said this before, everything you guys are doing is telling us that you're not trying to win games this season. And the NFL sees it, obviously, no primetime games. We don't deserve it. Not at all. And then... Going back to the tank, he, he dude, he has to say they're not tanking. What player that's going to put on that uniform is going to go out to war every Sunday for a coach that says they're 
they're gonna go out there and lose games purposely. I mean, that's no, you're it's right. lip service, you're right. man. He's got to say those things, just like how uh, he said DeAndre Hopkins is his ex receiver, right? I mean, I, um, I hear you. I don't. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I don't. I don't want to keep rehashing these conversations because, like, like we've said, like, and Mike has pointed out, you're right. You have to. You can't say come out and say that we're tanking, but there's a way to answer the question without straight yeah. up saying like. Like, basically, the way he's answered it so far is like, oh, you don't know what we're going to do. We're going to win a bunch of games this year. And it's like, bro, don't fucking lie to us. Or are you just lying to yourself at this point? He's probably lying to himself. He knows damn well. <laughs> he looked up and down that roster. And there's a reason why they're coming out saying we have the worst roster in the league. Uh, it's no it's no lie. They know. I mean, come on. It's it's what they do for a living. Um, yeah, I mean, you didn't. You don't think uh, Austin Ford came in and said, "Shit, we got a lot of work to do with this roster," right? Oh, without uh, doubt. Going back to what you're saying with the the Kyler coming back week what, week twelve, um, the only thing that we so let's be optimistic for a second. Wow, Cardinals fans are being optimistic about their 2023 season projections. It's hard for me to do. Um, it is. It's tough, right? It just makes no sense. Um, so you sit and think, okay, well. How are we going to be competitive without Kyler Murray under center? Well, he's never under center, but, you know, um, without uh, Kyler Murray as our quarterback, uh, we didn't add a single quarterback that could be competitive right away that has experience. It's a veteran. Uh, all we did was draft uh, our Toon. boy uh, Toon, Toontown, Clayton Toon. Yep. Um, so the legacy. Yeah. So the only reason you can think, okay, well, they're not going to spend, they're going to waste money on bringing in, you know, a, a Mayfield or who's the other guy, uh, Jacoby Brisket, Brissett. Um, so what if Murray comes back sooner than week 12? What if we're looking at a, a week four, a week five return? I know we've thrown this idea around before, but what if we see him back in four or five, week six? And what if we only have to manage a handful of games without him? Right? Huh? 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 I'd love that, man. Yeah. I mean, that'd be best case scenario. I mean, because at the end of the day, as for much as much flack as I give Kyler, he's still the best quarterback on our roster and our best chance of winning a game because, of course, he can't see over the offensive line and he has to run around, but he he has a decent arm and he can make plays with his feet. Now, will he be hesitant to do that coming off of this injury and will he get a little gun shy to to stroll out of the pocket and make that happen i mean i don't know mike what are you thinking i mean maybe that's why you make that first round investment in paris johnson to start solidifying that offensive line so he doesn't have to be running for his life anymore obviously his game is predicated on getting out of the pocket and making things happen so we still want that to be a part of it but if he doesn't have to do it all the damn time maybe (laughs) it's gonna be a positive for him but what are you guys saying? You're not trusting in David Blau? Blau? No, I I bet you he doesn't even make the roster. Colt McCoy's still on the roster, right? Yeah, he is. We're gonna go into Poor the Mr. season. Blau. He's old though. We're gonna have Murray, McCoy, and Toon. Blau's not gonna make the the fifty three. And I know, Tallman, you were talking about you're starting to ch- kind of change your narrative a little bit more on Clayton Toon, and you. It sounds like he might get an opportunity to maybe win the job during training camp. He should. And don't forget about Jeff Driscoll, guys. <laughs> he's gonna be on the. He's gonna be on his couch, man. <laughs> you got to have some quarterbacks on the roster, so oh, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised true. if one of them makes it. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, yeah. Colt, Colt McCoy is a 36 year old quarterback going to be 37 
Yeah, and they don't even know if he's going to be ready. He's man. no spring Remember? chicken, right, Mike? Yeah, that's it. He's no spring chicken. That's right. And his name's not even Cole. His first name is Daniel. <laughs> is it really? Fuck, Fun I didn't fact. know that. Yeah, I just learned wow. that. The deep cuts you find on BSP. That's what we're all <laughs> Oh, my here. goodness. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get Kyler Murray back sooner rather than later, obviously. He has shown that he can be a difference maker for this team. You still have to think that we still have some offensive weapons. I mean, currently, DeAndre Hopkins is still here. His his best pal, Hollywood Brown, is coming into his second season here. And you have to start thinking about, you know, what is really left within James Conner. What are we going to get from our new draft picks in regards specifically to Michael Wilson from Stanford? I know Tallman hates it. <laughs> but he's going to have plenty of opportunities to, you know, get on the field and try and be a difference maker. But what is that? The wide receiver? That's the guy from Stanford. Yeah, that's the guy that doesn't know how to stay healthy. Oh, yeah. I he's mean, I feel like, like we what? took a couple of guys that he's didn't know like... how to stay healthy, like Garrett Williams from uh, Syracuse, the yeah. cornerback as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He just tore his ACL or some shit. You mean the guy that only played eighteen games in college or yes, something like that? that? Over four seasons. Yeah, oh, he's got a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. That guy, but I I'm mean, my favorite thing now is that we don't have to be thinking about when we're going to play these teams, right? The schedule has finally been announced, and per NFL research, they've listed the Cardinals as the 11th most difficult schedule for the season, which is kind of odd Thanks, when you NFL. finish with the third worst record in the league, but <laughs> we're not going to go crazy on that. Eagles got the most difficult, would make sense, because they went to the Super Bowl. Um, opponents last year that the Cardinals are playing were 148, 137, and 3 last season, which is surprising. We were playing teams that had three ties? That's We had multiple ties? We had that many ties last year? Yeah, we did. In the wow. NFL? I didn't know that. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, we're going to have some tough matchups. We're playing the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. The beautiful thing is they're all at home. But how beautiful is that? Because we've already seen that home field advantage at State Farm Stadium really isn't anything, unfortunately, at the moment. Pooped on. Uh, You know, we get to play the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I know we were trying to think about making a trip out there, but sounds like some plans have changed. We'll keep you guys updated (laughs) to that as well. But we're starting the season in D.C. against the Commanders. And then we have another tough matchup right away, but coming back home to play the Giants in week two. So. It's going to be a tough early start for the Cardinals, especially trying to figure things out, trying to put these pieces together, especially with a brand new coach and a brand new scheme on both sides of the football. And But surely, surely it can't be all bad. I mean, the schedule came out, right? And so sports books have set odds for who they think is favored in these games. So Tallman, like, I think you were telling me, like, what, did, what are the sports books saying about the Cardinals chances this season? Uh, they think we're gonna lose every game. Oh, uh, we're the last I saw. We're we're not favored in a single game. <laughs> and then we we even play Houston, which we we own their first round pick next year. How is that possible? Um, we even play Houston, and they're favored to beat us in that game. And that's later in the season, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when we should have a one, Kyler Murray back. Um, 
Middle of the season. Is it middle season? What what week is it? And those are our best odds. The the Houston Texans are right now favored minus two over the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, so it's going to be a on November nineteenth. Oh, can't wait to watch that game. That's <laughs> that going to be gonna great. Be a shootout. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. Oh Jesus Christ! Battle of the Titans there. Yeah, it's. Oh, dude! If I okay. If we don't, we probably won't win a game. I just don't see how they're going to win a game. I don't either, honestly. Is that that's that might be way too negative. And it's too. We're going to go zero and seventeen. Is that what you're saying, Tom? <laughs> that's what Caesar Sportsbook thinks. I mean, I mean, I don't blame them for going against us every single time. No, I and just, I really don't. And but like I was telling you guys before we uh, launched here, I was watching a video where a guy was talking about uh, he went back like the last five, ten years, something like that. And if you picked the favorite team to win in every game over the course of that season, you'd only win like fifty-one percent of your bets, fifty-two percent of your bets. So don't put too much stock in the sports books. Obviously, there's a lot that has to shake out between now and then, especially as we're talking about games into December. I mean, that's more than six months away from now, so it's really hard to say. But the last thing I want to really talk about, and we can kind of open it up after that if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, but uh looks like DeAndre Hopkins is here to stay for now. He's, yeah, no, he he's here right now. Yes, he is. Uh, he's the Arizona Cardinal. I just, he's going to go before the season starts. Um, I bet you, let's, let's make a, I'll, I'll make a guess. He gets traded right before training camp. There's going to be a team that comes in, and they're going to get they're going to give us a second round pick, and he's going to go, um, and then that just adds to the incredible amount of draft capital that we have for 2024. We have two first round picks, second round pick, three third round picks, two fourths, two fifths, and a seventh. Right, so we have 11 picks, which might be more than 11 if we get rid of uh, Hopkins, which is going to happen. And then even if we go into the season with Hopkins, that's fine. Um, what's going to happen is we're just going to have to sit there and this is going to be bad for me to say, I don't wish injuries on anybody ever. Um, but we're going to, we're going to hope for one of those major contenders. One of their key guys are going to get hurt midway through the season. They're going to come knocking on, uh, Austin Ford's door and say, Hey, we'll give you whatever you want for Deandre Hopkins. So mid season trade, I'm going to guess he gets traded before training camp or before the start of the season. Okay. All right, Mike, I want to know what you think, but first let me hit you with this from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. They say, at this point, it makes sense for the Cardinals to wait until after June 1st. That would split the $22.6 million cap charge in half between 2023 and 2024. But the problem is, as recently noted by Albert Breer of SportsIllustrated.com, that no one wants to pick up his $19.45 million salary for 2023. And faced with that reality, Hopkins' best move is to stay with the Cardinals who remain willing for now, of course, and proceed with that salary. But of course, it doesn't mean that it'll stay that way. If they can't trade him, maybe the Cardinals will cut him because his salary is not guaranteed, and it becomes guaranteed as a practical matter as of week one. Ooh. So they'll be trying to do something within June. You can't. They're not going to cut him. He's too big of a piece. Well, I mean, if you're you're not tanking, you're not going to cut him. But if you are tanking... What's the point of paying a guy almost $20 million just to lose 15 games? You're not paying anybody else, man. It's not going to hurt them. But you save $20 million. Yeah. <laughs> just hold on to that salary cap yeah, for the future. But I someone's going to come knocking. Like I said, someone's going to come and 
I mean, you got to get something from him, man. You do. You, you do. Absolutely do. You, you can't. You, yeah, 100%. you can't sit here and give a first round pick for Marquise Brown, and you can't get anything from Hopkins. And you have to cut him. That's just. That's just going to be poor if that happens. You can look at the way that the Cardinals did get DeAndre Hopkins, and they basically fleeced the Houston Texans, though. So you could kind of call it a squash. But yeah, you still don't want to eat that amount of money for a guy who will be a contributor 100%. DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But for a team that... Guys, they showed their hand. The way that they maneuvered within the NFL draft this year to acquire all of this capital for 2024 shows you that they're looking forward to build with youth and that this year is not going to be the year. So, yeah, you don't want it to become a DeAndre DeAndre Ayton situation where you let a high-profile player a piece on your team walk for nothing you got to try and get some kind of capital for a deandre hopkins and with exactly what chris just said i mean i'm not surprised why we didn't see a trade happen at the nfl draft because of the possibility that you can get you know a split with that salary for a team and i'm still with you tallman we're gonna try it we just got to try and move them I mean, what is he even here working out? No, he's in Houston doing real estate still, right? <laughs> yeah, he's in Houston. <laughs> Gotta be. And then uh, he, what was it? Everyone was uh, hitting him up on like Instagram or Twitter, saying, "Please don't go, stay, stay." And then he posted that thing. He said, "Who said I want to leave?" Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's what kind of made me think of like, right? So, but it, I'm not shocked at all. A trade didn't happen during the draft. When you're, we talked about this before. When you're going into the draft, you have all these awesome draft picks, and you're going to get all these great prospects. You don't want to get rid of them, right? You value them so much more when it's right there in front of you, right? It's so going into the season, some team's going to go like let's let's use the Bills as an example. Wait, so you mean I can have Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins for Josh Allen? Oh, and I only have to give him a second round pick next year. Well, shit, the draft's not for another 10 months, eight months. Fuck it. Let's do it. Right? So it's not fresh in your mind. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking about selling out, winning now. Like, shit, I'd give every single draft pick for the next two years to win a Super Bowl this year. Right? That's how, I mean, look at the Rams. That's exactly what the Rams did. The Rams sold out, gave up everything just to win that one championship. Was it worth it? Hell yeah, it was worth it. Look at them. They're... They're in salary cap nightmare right now. <laughs> they really are. Very true. So that's it's someone's gonna come, man. You, I bet you he's gonna get traded, and we're gonna get a second round pick. That's my prediction. Oh man, uh, let's hope we get something for him because it would be quite a disaster to just let him walk. But at the same time, if it could free up that money, we're not going to be competitive this year. Free it up for next year, and uh, maybe we can build a competitive roster in the 2024 campaign. Uh, it'll just We'll just have to see. But, fellas, this has been a hell of an episode. I think the first time ever we've seriously covered all four Arizona sports teams. And... Uh, Really, uh, really excited to see you know what happens with this Coyotes deal. How the Suns navigate the off season. How the Diamondbacks continue to perform heading to the summer uh, months, and of course the Arizona Cardinals gearing up for their upcoming season. But I'll pass it over to you, Tallman, first for any of your last thoughts on the Valley and uh, the sports teams. Yeah. Um, wow. 
I'll just say as well. Um, thank God for the Diamondbacks. I have nothing good to say about anything else, but uh, it's been fun, guys. Uh, the smoke snack sticks have been a really nice touch. And when the fuck are we going to play golf? That's all I'm really worried about right now. It's it's gonna happen. It's gonna okay. be soon. We'll get some cold ones. We'll maybe uh post some pictures out on the on the green for Valley <laughs> Sports Plug where 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 I'm shooting over a hundred and uh, I'll be shooting over a hundred with Tallman's shanking all of his drives. <laughs> maybe we'll get uh my, my oh slicing. Excuse me, my my apologies. But Mike, I want to pass it over to you to share your final thoughts on anything that's on your mind right now. Yeah, first and foremost, the main thing on my mind is I'm not disappointed with the way that the Suns went out they lost to the better team at the end of the day and we just have some things to retool and come back next year Devin Booker is really just hitting his stride coming into his prime you have to be excited if you're a Phoenix Suns fan because players want to come here and they want to play with this franchise now and it's something that we haven't seen for a couple of decades but excited to see the Diamondbacks keep rolling. We'll figure out what's going on with Tempe and the Coyotes and the Cardinals. We'll always keep tabs on what's going on with them. We know it's going to be a tough season, but we're still going to have a hell of a time watching them and and doing those recaps and oh man, <laughs> just I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> breaking down probably the nonsense that we're going to see. But I really appreciate y'all and uh, thanks for having me back out once again. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys coming to the Valley Sports Plug Studios, laying this down. This was our 17th episode of the Heat Check Podcast. Of course, this isn't all we do. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you probably know. But we got live streams, we got recaps, all available on Valley Sports Plug's YouTube page. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Titter? Twitter Tips. and TikTok at AZ underscore VSP and Facebook, Valley Sports Plug. You search us in the Google machine and you will find us. But for Michael Benjamin and VSP Tallman, I am Chris Patrick, and we will see you in June. Peace.